have a great lineup of horror for you tonight, starting with folklore, segueing through with true crime and paranormal, and closing on some weird nature. This week, I am on true crime and nature, while Casey is going to open us up with some folklore and talk about some paranormal content a little bit later. (laughs) It's going to be really spooky, guys. Really, really excited. Especially excited about my content. I'm very excited about my content. So whose content is going to be better? We don't know. It's going to be mine. Well, we're excited. Welcome to Scarescape. Well, and do you want to guess what my folklore creature thing is? Sure. I'll give you a hint, and if you can't guess it, I'll give you another. Okay, sounds good. All right. It's from Point... Is it the Mothman? Yes. Good job. <laughs> I didn't even have to say it. I'm so excited. Wow. It is the Mothman. <laughs> it's the Mothman. I, I spent wait. an hour researching it, so I am an expert. I'm a licensed expert in the state of West Virginia. Because that's where this happened. Yes, Point Pleasant, West Virginia, to be exact. Segway. November 16, 1966. Two couples in Point Pleasant, West Virginia, viewed a figure about six to seven feet tall with a 10-foot wingspan, red eyes, two inches in diameter, six inches apart. It flew very fast. But when it ran, and it ran three times exactly, it was very clumsy. Until recently, I thought that the Mothman was a superhero character, kind of like Mothra from Godzilla. No. I know. You're very wrong. It's a cryptid. Do you know what the difference is between a cryptid and a creature from folklore? Or like a character from folklore? Do you know what the difference is between those things? Because it's really interesting. Documentation? Yes. So cryptids, it's like debated as to whether or not they're real. And there's at least some evidence of their existence. Uh, A good example is Bigfoot. Another is the Loch Ness Monster. They're obviously not accepted very widely, but there's more evidence to back them up than, say, something like the Wendigo. And you can actually become a cryptozoologist and study them. That's my major. Okay, so these people, they saw this creature that flew and apparently also ran. That's normal. They spotted by a power plant and apparently was afraid of lights because they chased it off with some car headlights. That's how you fight the Mothman, guys. Wouldn't he be attracted to the lights? He, he was afraid of the lights. <laughs> Not a he very just good looked moth. like a moth. <laughs> In my opinion, he looks a little bit more like a bat. So why is he a Mothman? Does he just smell bad? <laughs> like, have you smelt moths? <laughs> Mothballs, you know, they have like, I've never, they talk about like I've the mothballs. I've never musty. seen or felt a mothball. Me neither, but you know. Well, then how do you know what a moth smells like? <laughs> you liar. I never claimed that I personally had. You seem to know a lot about moths. Moth. I, I'm, just, I'm just wondering if he doesn't behave like a moth, Fake why fan? is he the moth man? Is it his scent, perhaps? Because many describe. I don't think they got close enough to Many smell. describe a mothy scent. <laughs> Fast forward two days later, count them, two. We're on November 18th, 1966. A newspaper headline out from Point Pleasant, West Virginia states, eight people say they saw the creature. So now there's not only those two couples, it's a total of eight people. Hang on, can you pause? It sounds like they're having a conference or something, but it's just a casual radio show. No, they're just learning about radio. They're teaching. Hmm? They're teaching. Yeah. The new DJs are about to have their... Oh, that's so exciting. Oh, they're loud as shit. This one witness, a grave digger, described as a huge bird with red eyes and a 10-foot wingspan. Scarily close to how the two couples described it. Next, there was another four people that described the Mothman in the same area as the grave digger. 
Okay. But a creepy, creepy, creepy thing is a contractor 100 miles north of Point Pleasant, West Virginia, said he saw the Mothman 90 minutes before the other people saw it. That would just make me believe that there are multiple, although I think the creepy implication here is that it's just super fast. It is super fast. It has to travel 100 miles in 90 minutes. That's pretty freaking fast. But you want to know a really sad thing? Okay. So... The Mothman arrived. His television started, like, acting up. He said it was acting like a television? The contractor's television. Okay. And his dog started, like, barking and all that, and it was he was, like, freaked out. Mm-hmm. The contractor sl- shined, like, a light into his field, and he saw, like, some red eyes. Then the dog went out into the field. <gasps> no, puppy! And he never oh, saw the dog again. Oh, no! What kind of dog was it? German Shepherd. What was his name? Bandit. <gasps> How old was he? I don't know how old he was. <laughs> but he did. Bandit, I'm so sorry. I don't know. The Mothman killed Bandit. The oh. hugest tragedy. Oh, no. That's the worst. Yeah. And I'm on true crime this week. <laughs> That's the true crime here. <laughs> that is the true. Justice for Bandit. The real crime. The true crime. So this started a huge craze around the Mothman. People were, like, obsessed with it. Mass hysteria and all that. And um, I love mass hysteria. <laughs> Don't we all? <laughs> but there started to become a, a fight back from the scientific community about the Mothman. On December 1st, 1966, biologists came out stating it must be a huge crane. Because, I, I don't know, <laughs> I guess cranes are six to seven feet tall with a ten foot wingspan and glowing red eyes. Yeah. That's all the cranes I've seen. Mm-hmm. And then, fast forward a year and 14 days later. Okay. Mothman hasn't been seen for a little bit, but suddenly he is seen on top of the Silver Bridge. That is weird. That's weird. A day later. Hey, what's the Silver Bridge? The Silver Bridge is, I think it was one of the first aluminum bridges. And it's in Point Pleasant over the Ohio River. Okay. And December 15th, 1967, at 5 p.m., this bridge collapses into the Ohio River. This is, what? This is at rush hour over the Ohio River. Ooh, that's creepy. 46 people die. Nine people are injured. And people start to link the Mothman to this bridge collapsing because he, he was sort of, he appeared on the bridge like a day or two before this. Mm-hmm. They start to think he's sort of an omen of like bad luck. Ooh, like a, like a like, I just got chills, like yeah. a demon or like a spirit. Sort of, yeah. But since then, the Mothman hasn't been too relevant until Monday, November 21st of 2016. <gasps> Jesus, that's recent. Yeah. It wasn't really an omen, but some bad things did happen yeah. that month of that year. <laughs> I, won't, I won't say mm-hmm. what it was, but mm-hmm. something really egregious sure occurred. And so it makes sense that this powerful, evil cryptid would appear. <laughs> So this dude was driving through Point Pleasant, West Virginia, where Mothman is famously seen. Yeah. He stops his car because he sees something weird happening out in the trees. Right. And he takes a picture of this creature jumping from tree to tree, and it looks so much like like a bat moth thing. Oh, my God. And the picture is not doctored. It's been verified that it's not been doctored. Are you going to show it to me, or should I Google it right now? Google it, however I mean. Oh my god. Yeah, this what? was not a doctored photo. The man didn't know about the legend before. 
He just took the picture. There's a few. Biologists say it could be a large bat or a large bird. It definitely could be a large bird or bat, but there's like no reference of scale in that picture, so I'm not sure. Well, it looks like a person with wings. Yeah, that's what bats look like. Have you ever seen a bat? I've seen bats before. I've had bats fly up in my space. It looks like, it even has like a human ass. It looks like a man. Bats have human asses. And it was jumping from tree to tree. Yeah, that's the weird thing. That's just creepy. Mm. But that doesn't, like, fit in with other Mothman things. Because they usually say he's, like, upright running or flying. They don't ever see him, like, jumping amongst the trees. I feel like that's a combination of those two other things. I feel like that's acceptable. Um, Can I read you this headline? Yeah, sure can. Doubtfulnews.com. Mothman reappears, quote... coincidentally close to the 50th anniversary date. There's been a lot of um, accusations amongst the people of Point Pleasant because of all the money that Mothman has brought to the city. Point Pleasant is not a uh, big and luxury... It was the mayor with a (laughs) jetpack. Point Pleasant is like a isn't a luxurious, rich city. So they got to make money somehow. There's people that have Mothman museums, Mothman merchandise, Mothman drinks. They all profit off of this. They admit that they profit off of Mothman. Well, yeah, but who wouldn't? I mean, the towns surrounding the general area of Area 51 are all alien-themed. You know, I don't think they can be blamed for this. They're yeah, embracing a weird... Yeah, but can they be blamed for hoaxing the recent Mothman sighting? No, they're bringing mystery and wonder to the world, if they are. But what if it's yeah, real? <laughs> the last, like, I guess, historical sighting was in 19... It was in 1967. So the hype has died down. The only thing there is a 12-foot Mothman statue with some sick abs. Like, yeah. they're going to need to... The, the hype is dying down. They're going to need to keep their businesses alive. So mm-hmm. there would be good motive for them to fake this. Yeah, that makes sense. But it's still really sad. Yeah. <laughs> like, but even if they did, I mean, Mothman is their economy. Yeah, but when a profit off lies. Everybody profits off of lies. True. That was my, uh, that was my little spiel on Mothman. I sort of want to go see the statue, <laughs> to be yeah. honest. Like a quick six-hour road trip to go see the 12-foot-tall, sick-abbed Mothman statue. It's very sexy. Very sexy. He looks like he has, like, a butterfly head and some angel wings and a man's body. See, things like Bigfoot and Mothman never scared me because they just reminded me of, like, large people wearing animal costumes, essentially. Like, that's how I visualize them. But this Mothman education makes me think more of, like, a flying demon, which is way creepier than than just, like, a a cheesy-looking... Some sort of beast of omen that caused 46 deaths and nine injuries. Whew, doggy. Are you ready for some true crime? I sure am. Really excited. So I'm going to name off a few names. There are five victims in this case of a family annihilator. Their names are Helen, 46 years old, Alma, 84 years old, Patricia, 16, Frederick, 13, and John Jr., 15. These people were killed by the father of the household, John List. I don't know who he is. This is a weird, weird, creepy case. It's going to seem a little boring in the beginning, but the way the crime was uncovered is just weird. Yes. 
1965, veteran John List became the vice president and comptroller of Jersey City Bank and moved his family, which was his children, his mom, and his wife, into a 19-room mansion, Victorian-style. I wish, man. It was enormous. The name of the mansion was Breeze Knoll. Ooh, fancy. Um, K-N-O-L-L. Ooh, it's the very fancy. fancy. Yeah, super fancy. You know it's fancy when it has a K. Mm-hmm. One day, and this is November 9th, 1971, sends the kids to school, and everything's great. And then he shoots his wife in the back of the head. It's very bizarre, and he cites a few different reasons. It sounds very, like, abrupt. It was very abrupt. And the whole, the way that he handled this whole series of murders is very efficient, abrupt, and bizarre. So, like, it was planned. Yes. Okay. So he then killed his mother, Alma, and she lived with them. He, he killed his mother, Alma, who's... This was all in the house, right? Yes, this was inside of the mansion while the kids were at school. He killed his mother, Alma, by shooting her above her left eye, and then he waited for the kids to come home. So Patricia and Frederick get home, and he shoots them in the back of their heads, I guess as soon as they turn from him or just as soon as he gets the chance. And then there's one more, right? Yes. So after the murders, he makes himself lunch. Naturally. And then he drives to Westfield High School, where his oldest son, John Jr., has a soccer game. And he watches the soccer game, like a good supportive father. Then he drives home with John Jr., very sweet. And then he shoots him in the chest and face multiple times. Dang, what does he have for John? I know, it might have something to do with the fact that... All the rest of them get execution style, and then John's just like full-on rage. Yeah, I think it might be because John Jr. was his namesake, and so maybe there was some insecurity there. He puts the bodies on top of sleeping bags in the ballroom of the home. This mansion is so huge, it has a ballroom. His mother's body was placed in her apartment in the attic. So you have four bodies in the ballroom on top of sleeping bags, and then... I think she had, like, a unit within the mansion, or maybe it was a separate apartment. I looked, and it didn't really specify, but it was her own living space, and so he put her in the attic, I guess just separating the the immediate family. He then cleaned the crime scenes and cut his picture out of every family photograph in the house. What? After doing that, he turns the radio to a religious station, which plays over the intercoms, and he leaves a five-page letter to his pastor on his desk, That explained that he had seen too much evil in the world, so his reasoning behind killing his family was to save their souls. So it was a mercy killing in his eyes. Well, we'll get to that because that was the original reason that he cited, but then in later years upon reflection, he gives some other explanations and psychiatrists step in. Yeah, but like... That doesn't explain why he cut his face out of all the photos. Well, we're getting to that, too. Okay. Because the family was so antisocial, these murders were not discovered for a month. A a month. Did the dude not have any more soccer games? Well, he had written, the father had written to all of his kids' teachers and their uh, part-time jobs that they were going on a trip to his wife's mother's house and that they were going to be gone for about a month. He was so skilled about this. Mm Mm-hmm. It's just weird. Okay, so he leaves the bodies in the house. He leaves the music playing. He leaves all the lights on. And so it's just this lit house with all these bodies inside and music playing. And it's just weird. But people start to notice because the lights have been on so much that they'll just start to burn out. And so people notice the light bulbs burning out. That's creepy. It's really creepy. So then they call the police. And the police go inside and they find his letter. And there's organ music playing throughout as they investigate the crime scene. That's a creepy little... Can you imagine? (laughs) 
No, I don't want to. So a national manhunt began for List, but all the reliable pictures of him had been destroyed. Oh. This is in the 70s, so there wasn't any digital trace of him. smart. Mm -hmm. I don't want to praise him, but that's smart. Yeah, because it was a nationwide manhunt. So they don't know what he looks like. Right. Oh, my goodness. I'm getting shivers. (laughs) I never get shivers when I listen to this stuff, but when I talk about it, I get chills. Here's just a weird tidbit that doesn't really tie into the murders as far as we know. But on August 20th of 1972, the mansion was destroyed by arson. It's still unsolved, um, but it's rumored that the glass skylight that they had was a signed Tiffany original. It was worth alone in today's equivalent $590,000. Dang. Yeah. And that was just the skylight alone. This was a whole mansion that burned down. Pay for my life right there. It's wild. So here's what List is doing. He's traveled from New Jersey to Michigan by train, and then he went to Colorado where he settled. He settled down in Denver in 1970. So this is the same year, 1972. And he found a job at an accounting firm under the pseudonym Robert Peter Bob Clark. Want to hear a creepy thing about that? His name. So the creepy thing about the name that he chose is that he told people that it was, once he was caught, he said that it was the name of one of his college classmates. So they interviewed the college classmate, and the college classmate was like, I don't know the guy, which I just thought that was creepy. While he is in Denver, he meets and marries an army clerk, and basically what that means is she worked in an exchange, which is like a retail store on a military installation, and... They moved to Midlothian, Midlothian. I don't know how to say it. Midlothian. Um, I'm really not sure, but they moved to Virginia. So keep it in Virginia this episode. And List continued to work as an accountant. So then we're fast forwarding about 10 years later, May 21st, 1989. America's Most Wanted does a story about him and his crimes. And Frank Bender, a forensic artist, releases an age-progressed clay bust of what List would look like. (laughs) John List was arrested less than two weeks after its broadcast, after a neighbor of his from Denver recognized him from the broadcast. He was arrested in his firm in Richmond. Dang, imagine imagine being the wife. I know. Like, yo, I killed my mom, my ex-wife, and my three children. Hi, honey. I I can't imagine. (laughs) He had all these high-paying jobs, and he was able to form relationships, and he... Pulled it off so creepily well. The thing is, like, he said he wanted to, like, take them out of this world because it was evil, but he didn't want to take himself out at the same time. I know. I thought about that, too. I was like, that's kind of selfish. Like, wouldn't that be, like, a a murder-suicide thing? Well, what he did, what he said later, while he was in prison, he was asked by a journalist why he hadn't killed himself. He explained that he believed you could not get into heaven if you committed suicide, and he wanted to get into heaven to see his family again. But he also <laughs> murdered, so I, I mean... Know. But in his eyes, he was saving them from the evils of the world. Okay. So then they start asking him, why did you do it? And he explains that things had not been so perfect after all. Ooh-hoo. He revealed that when he was supposedly the comptroller and vice president of that bank, he had actually lost his job. And so their financial difficulties begin in 1971, but he was hiding it from his family. So he had this huge 19-bedroom house, but he was unemployed. 
Exactly. Mm. And he was so embarrassed to explain this that he spent each day at the train station and he would just hang out there and read the newspaper until it was time for him to come home from work. And then he would just go back to his family and pretend like he had been working the whole time. And then to avoid faulting on his mortgage, what he did was he took some money, just a little bit of money out of his mom's account from time to time. And then comes the family drama, which is separate. He testified that he was also struggling to deal with his wife's alcoholism and tertiary syphilis from her first husband, which she had hidden from him for 18 years. She had an STD and didn't tell him? For 18 years. Oh my god. So Liz says that his wife pressured him into marriage because she lied about being pregnant and then got him to marry her in Maryland where a state doesn't require blood testing for a marriage license. Oh my goodness, this is all messed up. Yeah, she hid her poor health from him until it was inconceivable because she was so unhealthy from the syphilis. So basically, it came out in a doctor's appointment for all of her issues that she had already been diagnosed with syphilis about 18 years ago. And so this was like news to him, but she had been hiding it. And then this is a quote from List's testimony. She had transformed from an attractive young woman to an unkempt and paranoid recluse. And then here was the really sad thing, not sympathizing with him because he killed his whole fucking family. She would often and most commonly in public compare List's sexual skills to her previous husband in a negative light. Hurt his manhood right there. That doesn't Mm -hmm. justify murder, but... Ooh. Absolutely not. So then a court-appointed psychiatrist steps in, and he testified that List has obsessive-compulsive personality disorder, and from List's perspectives, his only options were accepting welfare or to kill his family to send their souls to heaven. He couldn't accept welfare because he had had an authoritarian father figure who had really enforced the idea of men providing for their family. So he basically had a crisis, and then combined with his OCD, that ties into the motive as to why he did all of this. Masculinity kills. It's a real problem. Embrace your femininity and get in touch with your emotions. Be human. It sounds cheesy, but it's so important. Yeah, girls don't like like a stone cold guy that is always like controlling. Yeah, and have emotion. Like nobody's gonna judge you if you express yourself. Everybody wishes that they could express themselves, but nobody does because of these weird artificial standards. Talk to a therapist and talk to your fellow human beings. It's okay. Don't end up like this. On April twelfth, nineteen ninety, he was convicted of five counts of first degree murder, and the judge gave him the maximum penalty at the time, which was his five consecutive life terms for each of his victims. List filed an appeal that his judgment had been impaired by PT. PTSD from his time in the military. I mentioned in the beginning that he was a veteran, um, but we didn't really talk about it that much. But he claims to have been suffering from PTSD. Wait, during the time of the murders or in the time of the... He was he was in the military court. before all of this happened. Yeah, but does he claim he had PTSD during the time of the murders or the time of the court? This is in court. He, he appeals to a judge saying that he had PTSD and he wants to have a little bit of assistance and maybe lightening his sentence or something. There's like a... A criminal law difference between, like, incompetency and insanity. Mm -hmm. Well, he argued that he he had been impaired by PTSD and that the letter to his pastor from before, the five-page letter about why he did it, he needed to save his family, was confidential and unusable as evidence. That's not how it works. Yeah. A federal appeals court rejected both arguments. Yeah, that's not a good argument. He later expressed remorse, and here's a quote from him. I wish I had never done what I did. I've regretted my action and prayed for forgiveness ever since. He then died of pneumonia in 2008 at the age of 82. And that is John List. Good lord, that dude's fucked up. I know. 
It was just how calm he was about everything that scared me. And then the weird religious motivation was creepy. All the lights burning out, the organ music, the sleeping bags. List is known as a family annihilator, which is someone who kills their immediate family, although extended family members are not uncommon. Oh, so there's a type. Yeah. Ooh, see, who yeah. worse that there's been enough for there to be a type. Yeah. Are we ready for paranormal? I think we are. I'm not. I'm actually very, very scared of the thing I'm going to talk about <laughs> because it's so bad you're not supposed to even say its name. But for the purposes of this, I sort of have to. I'm in the middle when it comes to ghost topics because I believe that there's some situations where it may be real, some situation where it isn't. But one thing I don't fuck with when it comes to like paranormal is Ouija boards. Right. This is this isn't the this isn't the paranormal thing I'm talking about. This is too broad of a subject. Okay. But this comes from Ouija boards. I'm just going to set up a scene here. So you're with a bunch of your friends. You get a Ouija board out and you open it up. Is anyone there? Yes. And you ask, what's their name? The planchette starts to move between Z, O, Z, O, Z, O in a figure eight sort of formation. You best damn close that board. Whenever the planchette goes from Z, O, Z, O, Z, O, or Z, A, Z, A, or spells out Mama or Pazuzu or Zo. <gasps> this is Zozo the demon. Is it the same thing as Pazuzu? Yeah. This is a fucked up demon, first of all. They have reports going back to 1906. This demon, when it comes through your board, it'll start off super nice. It'll, you know, try to be friends with you. And then stuff will start to go a little bit more sinister. You'll feel like a bad presence in the room and eventually like possession comes around. Zozo's known to be linked with bad luck, depression, suicide, and even rape. Jesus. Yeah. This demon has somehow sexually assaulted people. That's how bad it is. You're not supposed to say his name (laughs) because it's thought to like bring him up from the depths of hell and all that. So (laughs) it's it's okay. I'm taking this risk for you guys. So um, the origins of Zozo is supposed to come from Africa, Sumeria, Mesopotamia. He's referenced in Le Dictionnaire Infernal in 1818. It's like a French evil dictionary. And it mentions a young village girl that got possessed by multiple demons, one of them being Zozo. But later this was found out to be faked, so that's not a good piece of evidence. Okay. Next, in a play by Jacques Adeberti in 1966, there's a demon named Zozo referenced. In the 1876 issue of Catholic Review, the mass of Zozo is considered a satanic ritual. In a Nigerian encounter in 2005, a demon named Zozo possesses someone. This translates in Hausa, I'm sorry if I'm I'm pronouncing that wrong, and Igbo to come up. So it's like raising him up from hell. And the most famous case of Zozo is Darren Evans in 2009. Okay. 2009. 2009. He's playing on the Ouija board with his girlfriend. He's um talking about the other side with this Zozo creature thing being. And he's getting a lot of information and, you know, they become obsessed with it, sort of. Oh. They, like, really want to know more. So they keep talking to him. They keep talking to this friendly little ghost thing from the other side. It gets scary. So, one day, Zozo threatens his family saying that he's going to steal his daughter's soul. Through the Ouija board? Yeah, he communicates through the Ouija board. And Zozo, like, out of nowhere, just says he's gonna steal Darren Evans' daughter's soul. Okay, through the Ouija board. Yeah. Okay. The creepiest thing, his daughter almost died. (laughs) What? She just, she became really ill really fast, and she almost died. Darren had to get a exorcism, 
and she recovered. Evans is now sort of a speaker that warns people about, you know, interacting on Ouija boards, especially with Zozo. Um, he says just to, like, close the Ouija boards safely if you see, like, Zozo, Zaza, Oz, Mama, Pazuzu, anywhere. Why Mama? I'm getting to that next. Okay. So, another case come up recently. This girl named April in 2012 was playing on the Ouija board with some friends. So you would not do a Ouija board with me? No. Oh. No. I don't Well, you know it. this is not real. I'm not risking it. <laughs> I'm not risking it. Those freak me out. So this girl, April, and her friends, they start to move the planchette and all that. Suddenly, with, like, some force behind it, the planchette moves back and forth from Z-O-Z-O, figure eight formation. Okay. Is is using a Ouija board kind of like fishing and, like, whatever's passing by just kind of yeah, latches on? That's yeah. hilarious. Crack open some beers, listen to Uncle Cracker, oh, go God. fishing for a demon. Okay, so the the demon starts spelling out Z-O-Z-O-Z-O, and they're like, what the fuck? So they're like, what do you want? And it spells out her. Me? <laughs> no, not you. Then they ask, like, what do you mean? Because, like, <laughs> her is very general when you're in a group of girls, and it spells out exactly the name of one of April's friends. On its own or with them touching it? I don't know. It doesn't say that. But okay. I would assume because you need the energy touching yeah. the planchette. Mm-hmm. And then the planchette gets super hot to touch. Okay. So then they take their fingers off of it, and then it starts moving between M-A-M-A-M-A. <gasps> Ooh. Yeah. That was, like, that's, musical, but in a very creepy way. That's not the end of it, though. All the girls start to feel this anger and rage build up within them, but on the outside, all of them begin laughing and crying. At the same time, all around the Ouija board. Yeah. Of course, because of course, of course that happened. Yeah, they all, <laughs> it's super creepy. So yeah, just some advice, guys. Um, Don't use Ouija boards in the first place. And if you choose to do it, if you come across a Zozo, stop what you're doing. The steps are stay calm, close the session properly, don't say his name, and seek help from a professional. Uh, yeah. Those are the official <laughs> steps. Imagine being a professional in this. Uh, an exorcist. Well, aren't there also people who it's are priests. like, I'm a demon doctor. No, don't go to a demon doctor. Like, <laughs> go to a priest or a professional like ghost investigator. Yeah, that's so silly. Ghost Adventures famously contacted Darren Evans and um, actually went to his house and did a Ouija board session to find Zozo. Great. Yeah. I'm surprised he agreed to do that. Um, Some crazy stuff happens there, but I don't like all of Ghost Adventures is true but yeah. it's definitely it's definitely a creepy episode to watch well i'm curious what what's what are some of the crazy antics that the gang gets into the, the girlfriend now wife oh has to leave the house because of what zozo's doing to her and she describes a situation in which she is being sexually assaulted by the demon jesus yeah how fucked up would that be if ghost adventures was like here's what we're gonna have you do average citizen lady who is not in entertainment we're gonna have you pretend to be raped for a semi-reality series <laughs> yes zozo's just fucked up that's it's that's why it scared me to like talk about this but also it's super interesting mm-hmm. but yeah i don't fuck I don't with ouija know. boards i mean they explain that ouija boards are just it's just you moving it you know i okay out of curiosity i want to try it just to see if like something actually does move it without anyone like if i tr- like i'll i trust Anne not to like move it with her own yeah so so like i just want to see if it actually does anything i feel like i would be too in my head to just let it happen like i would be subconsciously thinking 
about where I wanted it to go. And then because of that, I would be hyper aware of like what I'm doing and where it's going. But I don't believe in Ouija boards. I used to say that I wouldn't play with one, but now I definitely would. I don't necessarily believe in them, but they still freak me out. All right. I'm going to say his name one last time. Zozo. And that's the last time I'm seeing. And are you ready for some scary nature? I am ready for some scary nature. Thank you for asking. I've got a really exciting creature to share with you. A real creature. Yeah, it is it is a real creature. Okay. Um, some people eat it. Why? Th- because they can. I mean... Is it a cow? It's not a cow, although that would have been really fun. <laughs> what? <laughs> Just talking about cows. This is our creepy nature the- segment. <laughs> have you ever realized how weird an utter is? <laughs> This is the Japanese spider crab. Oh, I've heard of these. You have? What do you know about them? They're big. Here's how big. They weigh up to 44 pounds and can span 13 feet long. Why? Why does a crab need to be that big? Well, okay, for, for one thing, it is the largest crab in the world, but I think its size has to do with where it lives, which is nearly 1,000 feet under the ocean. Uh. Good, it needs to stay there. Well, funny you should say that. They venture into shallower water about 150 feet down to mate, and then they can lay, like, millions of Can we eggs. kill the eggs while it's 100 feet, 150 no, feet? No, these things are so interesting. So they can live for up to a century, and they Why? are reproductive about Why? the whole time. They have incredible camouflage skills. Mm-hmm. So... They're sneaky, and they're fairly smart. Researchers documenting their discovery explained that they're, they had such strong claws that they could cause serious injury to humans. See, this, I don't, <laughs> I, every sentence you say, I don't like these things even more. Oh, it gets so much better. No. Um, but they had actually already harmed some people during, what? like, its capture for research. I guess it pinched. I couldn't find anything on the exact injuries. Which is weird. You would think there would be documentation of it, but... It's too horrible to list. Um, they can survive without up to three of their limbs. And in fact, some have been discovered, you know, live missing limbs and just doing just fine. Like zombies. Here's a really fun fact. Mm-hmm. We have no idea how many of them there are. Too many? Here are some things that we know, though. They lay millions of eggs each spring, but only a small portion hatch. They live long lives and breed throughout most of it. They're covering so that's, the bottom of the ocean, I know it. This is good news for you, bad news for the ecosystem, and for my love for these amazing creatures. Uh, fishermen have been bringing in fewer numbers in recent years. Good. I could not... This is just something people say, but I don't... They eat corpses. Of course they do, you know? <laughs> of course. Why not? Why not, Japanese spider crab? So basically, they're omnivores, and they prefer to scavenge, so things like algae and dead fish, just things that they find just kind of rotten away, you know? So decomposers? Yeah, but they can hunt, and they can eat they plants. Can. They're, they're omnivores that prefer to scavenge. And so they're far bigger than people, mm-hmm. so I think the premise on this was that there are dead bodies in the ocean, and they are large enough to consume those dead bodies. May I ask how big, like, their main torso is? Except, They're like, pretty limmy. Excluding their limbs. Which I like, think is creepier. How, I don't... How, how big is their, like, regular body? They're pretty limmy. I'll show you some pictures. I limby. don't need to see pictures. Um, but I think the whole corpse thing stems from this legend. Mm. It's an ancient mariner legend. Spider crabs will drag sailors overboard and eat them alive 
underwater. It seems unlikely, uh, but it may be assumed that they do eat the occasional body. <laughs> See, all this other, like, stuff we talk about, and then <laughs> this... <laughs> I already hate spiders. <laughs> and now we take a large man-eating spider crustacean at the bottom of the ocean that has incre- incredible lifespan and reproductive abilities. And is bigger than you. I don't... And it looks like a spider. Yeah, I know. I don't... It's all it's all hard and Why does this ninja shelly. exist? I don't know. Well, here's my very last bullet. I'm reading exactly... Those who have worked with them say that they are friendly. Doubt it. Marine biologists who work with them say that they're fairly intelligent and they can cooperate with you um, after kind of establishing. Oh, so a they have. They have. Oh, okay. <laughs> they have relationships and knowledge and stuff. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you can't eat them if it helps you feel better. I don't want- I don't want to eat spiders. They're a delicacy, and they're popular in Japan. A lot of things are delicacies Um, in Japan that I don't want to eat. They're harvested year-long, except for during the mating season, which is spring, when millions more of them are popping out. So, that's the Japanese spider crab. I hope you enjoyed. I sure did. don't encourage it. I'm going to look up some pictures of it now to show you. And we're going to record your reaction. Oh. I sort of know what they look like, but I don't want to... Look at Here's a man holding one that I just think is I don't, hilarious. No, I don't want to see it. It looks I don't like, want to see the comparison. It looks like a bunch of cigarettes taped together. Oh, oh my god. Oh my god. I told god. you it was Lemmy. It's very like spindly. It's so and big. It's yeah. Oh my god. Let's find <laughs> oh, here's a vintage image of one that I really enjoy. Vintage. <laughs> Can you imagine coming across I'm one seeing, of those, like, washed up on I'm, a beach? I'm seeing its legs. Most of the ones that we find are pretty small. I guess it's because we usually find ones that have come up to shallower depths. But the ones that live oh, deep down are Oh, enormous. so the big boys are still down there breeding. Yeah. We're killing the small ones. Guys, we're helping them become bigger. <laughs> uh, pretty much. They're They're pretty amazing. It's the largest arthropod in the world. It's also the largest crab in the world, but crab is an arthropod so an arthropod is an invertebrate animal of the large phylum arthropoda such as an insect spider or crustacean okay so arthropods encompass like crabs and spiders and all yeah so this is the biggest one fuck arthropods well aren't you glad it's a crab and not a spider or like a bee (laughs) i'm fine with bees they'll leave me the fuck alone but like spiders and crabs can go fuck off they're really gorgeous i recommend you go look them up a lot of pictures of them with like human comparisons are just really awkward they look awkward can you imagine one of those pictures just coming at you i would rather not so fast i feel like i it would still be slightly bent if it was reaching from you to you like it would still have room to spare yeah you only have like four feet in between us here's the creepy thing i feel like they could just be chilling under a rock or something with all their limbs balled up and somebody could just be passing by, like a fish or something, just passing oh. by, not too far away, and he could easily just reach out. How fast are these things? Their long legs help them move quickly to catch their prey. So they're fast. I mean, they can move at least 13 feet in a second or so. Because See, that's, that's just too fast. The size of their body. That is too fast. Or I guess they can pivot 13 feet. Or I don't need that. So you need to stay... Feet. Like, 100 feet away from a spider crab at all times. And you can't escape them once they're after you. 
You should not be a thousand feet under the ocean, though. If you happen to be in the same vicinity <laughs> as a spider crab. They do keep them in some aquariums. You, you can should go visit them. They're going to break out and kill everyone. I think they're they're cute and sweet. Well, you're fucked up, so. <laughs> We're going to move on to some easy listenings with our jazz segment. We've got a special treat coming up tonight in terms of music. We're going to be playing Big Bad Handsome Man by Imelda May. Referring to all of our... <laughs> Referring to all of our subjects. All, all except for List. And he, Zozo. When you hear this song, you think of someone special. You think of someone who is masculine and sexy mm-hmm. and who makes mm. you feel a way you've never felt before. For, for, for me, me... Oh. For me, that man is Mothman. Yeah. Casey is really, really moved by the Mothman, but in my eyes, this is a song reserved for the Japanese spider crab. So, when you listen to the lyrics, I just want you to think about who's right, because it's definitely me. But either way, we have covered some big, bad, handsome creatures tonight, mm-hmm. and I'm excited to share this big, bad, handsome song with you. I mean, I could feel his supple wings now. Big, bad, handsome man. Mm-hmm. 